Tales from Vietnam with Katie Schwartz and Liz Shaw of Dear Thyroid. Today on the podcast, Mary Showman. Mary Showman, welcome to the first installation of Tales from Vietnam. We are so honored to have you as our first guest on our show. Thank you. We'd also like to thank our producer and editor, Chris Campbell, for bringing Tales from Vietnam to fruition. And our fabulous listeners, thank you for hanging out with Dear Thyroid. Now, for all you listeners who may not be familiar with Mary Showman, we want to give you a little dish about her. She is a renowned thyroid patient advocate, and she's an author of eight best-selling books, award-winning thyroid-related books, um, anywhere from hypothyroidism to hyperthyroidism and dieting, and much, much more. And her latest book is called The Thyroid Menopause Solution. The companion website is menopausethyroid.com. Since 1997, Mary has founded and has been the guide for the award-winning About.com thyroid website, thyroid.about.com. Mary also edits the exceptionally popular patient thyroid news report called Sticking Out Our Necks, a newsletter for thyroid patients. Since Mary got into the business of thyroids, she's spent 12 years as a crusader on behalf of thyroid patients. And what makes Mary so special and unique is that she has thyroid patients' best interests at heart because she's 100% independent of drug companies and medical and patient organizations that are funded by pharmaceutical industry. And she maintains an unbiased and truly patient-first advocacy effort. Let's face it, Mary, you're a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what, what an introduction. I don't yeah. know what to say. Yeah. Um, so I got a question for you, darling. Uh, of course you didn't set out to become a thyroid patient advocate. So how did your thyroid disease or diagnosis reshape your career? I don't know any other way to explain it other than thyroid advocacy chose me. You know, thyroid, thyroid disease chose me. I got a thyroid problem, and for some reason I felt like it was my responsibility to turn around and as I learned anything that I thought was going to be helpful to turn around and share it with everybody else. So I'm not exactly sure why I felt compelled to do this, but it has really made my life direction go in a completely new course. Um, I don't want other people to have to recreate the wheel. So I feel like my job is that I'm supposed to be here to fast forward people up the learning curve. So that's kind of what I've, what I've really made my mission in terms of my books and my websites and my newsletters is you shouldn't have to waste your time trying to find a good doctor or trying to figure out what TSH stands for or what tests you need. Here, we've all been through it already. We've got it figured out for you. Here's the information. Let's get to the part where you get to feel well and live well. And Mary, what has surprised you about the business of thyroid since you're you know, so immersed and familiar with it all? What surprises you? You know, the thing that surprises me is how much of a business it really is. How, I mean, we've got endocrinologists and drug companies and laboratories and insurers and thyroid professional organizations, and they are all so deep into each other's pockets and each other's business that it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Uh, so really how much of a big business it really is. There's a lot of money that's being made from uh, taking advantage of thyroid patients that's being done by some of the drug companies, uh, by doctors uh, marking up things to patients and insurers marking things up. And, and, you know, there's just, 
it's just a real uh, uh, cash cavalcade for a lot of people because there are a lot of people out there that don't feel well and are suffering and struggling. You know, that part terrifies me the most, how for sale endocrinologists are, so many of them. I mean, it's really scary. And when you say that uh, thyroids really are a business, that's just incredibly terrifying. But people need to know about that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there was a study that was done that said that if a, a drug rep comes in and gives a doctor a coffee mug, I mean, we're not talking about anything super valuable here, just a coffee mug, that even some little gift like that is going to have an influence on how often the doctor will prescribe that medication in the next several months. And we know that some of these drug reps are going in and uh, uh, leaving these doctors with a whole lot more than coffee mugs. So, right. you know, it just it scares the heck out of you when you think about it. So Yeah, yeah. And it makes yeah. you feel like no one has the best interest of the patient in mind if it's about money. Do you ever get sick of talking about thyroids? Never, never. Really? I find that little one-ounce master gland of metabolism and energy. <laughs> endlessly fascinating to talk about. Uh, I mean, for example, let me tell you about monodiodination. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. Of course I do. Of, of course I do. Um, it's still surprising to me, actually, that a good part of my life is spent talking about this little tiny body part. You know, I just, I can't quite believe it. It's very overwhelming at times. You know, there's a lot of people that write to me asking for help. I, I'm getting emails with JPEGs attached with a thyroid ultrasound image on it. Um, I'm I'm getting PDF files with people's lab tests going back to 1995. Um, and there's just no way that I can take care of all these people. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's just no possible way you could respond to everyone and, you know, play doctor for everyone. That just has to be overwhelming for you. I can't imagine. Well, yeah, and I'm not, I'm, I am not a doctor. So when somebody sends right. me, you know, blood tests or, or thyroid scans and things, am I, the only thing that I can do is try to help them find a great doctor that can help work with them and partner with them so that they can get the, the care that they obviously are crying out for when they're sending out an email like that. Mary, do you think that your um, advocacy, you know, because clearly it affects you just in that, you know, there's so many responses that you get people really look to you for, you know, help and guidance and assistance, but do you also think it's affected your friends and family? Well, I think, you know, every every one of my friends and family has had a complete thyroid panel. If that's oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, because of me, I mean, I've made sure everyone has to have a thyroid test. That's part of the that's part of the uh, the rules of being one of my friends or family members. <laughs> that you know, when I and, do that too, I get it. Uh, yeah, and when but the other thing is when when people aren't feeling well, you know, or uh, except for my children, of course. But when anyone else comes up to me, you know, they oftentimes started out with, "I know you're going to tell me to get my thyroid checked," but you know, so. Uh, you know, people think I'm probably a little bit, you know, obsessed with the topic, and I, and I am. But I, I also have to tell you, probably about five or six good friends of mine have been diagnosed with thyroid disease because I told them to go get checked. So, really? Uh, rather over, you know, uh, I'd rather err on the side of telling people to get checked and have them find out it's fine than the other way. Many endocrinologists, not all, uh, don't respond well to educated patients. Now, why do you think that is? Well, let's just say I don't think that the warm and fuzzy folks who really want to help people as a living are the ones that are rushing to become endocrinologists. Um, this is, you know, this is a specialty. I call them the, uh, the accountants of medicine. Uh, 
they love numbers, you know. You don't become an endocrinologist because you want to sit there and hold hands with your patients and really work with them. You become an endo because you want a spreadsheet with their hemoglobin A1C results on it, and you want to plot charts of TSH numbers. As for, you know, the endocrinologist not responding well to educated patients, I think that endocrinologists are really, uh, you know, they get a very specific focus on what they're supposed to know, and for some reason, they are one of the areas of specialization that seems to be very resistant to anyone having an education. Um, I mean, I, I, I always think about this one situation. There was a big uh, national endocrinology meeting a couple of years ago, and one of the top endos in the country got up, and he was going to launch this meeting, and this was his big moment to, in the sun, and he did a PowerPoint presentation. All endos love their PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> and, he was going to start off with his David Letterman top ten list. You know, so he thought he was oh. going to be hilarious. Oh, really cute. That's you know, so, so shameful. He, exactly. So he's going to do his do- David Letterman top ten signs that you have a crazy thyroid patient coming in your office. <gasps> oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he did. So shameful. He, this is how he launched his meeting. And, I mean, this is an audience full of, of doctors sitting there. And number two was she walks in carrying a copy of Mary Showman's book. <gasps> and uh, that's when I knew that I'm absolutely doing what I need to be doing. Because absolutely. that that told me then they're they're scared. They're scared of patients who know in who know what they need to know, who ask questions, who challenge their authority. And, you know, so if that, that told me that, that we're definitely heading in the right direction, uh, you know, from that standpoint. You know, there, there's, there's a bunch of old endos out there who are always complaining about me. They say, oh, patients don't have a right to write books, and, and patients can't be advocates for themselves. They should basically just shut up and take their Synthroid and, you know, come back in a year. And, you know, they're, they're the ones that are keeping me in business, to be honest. But you're right. And those, those doctors, Mary, who... Um, you know, speak ill of you, I think that they are the most uneducated of all, to be perfectly honest. But for you, we wouldn't uh, be able to walk into their offices and call them schmucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And, and be able to say, you're wrong, and I'm right. And let me tell right. you, I'm right. <laughs> And ultimately, you know, the, the, the issue is you vote with your feet. And, you know, when you, when you come up against one of these guys who thinks you're a crazy thyroid patient or who doesn't want you to be knowledgeable or educated, then that is a really good sign that this is not someone who has your best interests at heart or who wants you to get well. He wants to make money and wants to keep his authority and his ego intact, but it has nothing to do with getting you well because a, a, a doctor that wants you to feel well wants to listen to what you have to say that's okay. critical to to the whole art and and science of medicine you know they've got to sit and listen and if they can't spend five minutes to hear what you have to say then i don't think that that they're in they're not in a helping profession let's just say yeah and you know we've had it said a few times just you know amongst our dear thyroid community um and users that you know the doctor is working for us. We're, we're contracting with this person or paying them to work for us. And so when this intimidation occurs that the patient, you know, isn't allowed to be educated or ask questions or advocate on their own behalf, it's just, it's, it's interesting because we're the ones paying and these are our bodies and we should be able to, um, you know, input, you know, our knowledge too. 
I agree completely. You know, do, uh, doctors don't like it when I say it, but I, I have often said, look, you know, you, you wouldn't accept that kind of behavior from your plumber or your car mechanic. <laughs> right. Why are you going to... Why are you going to get treated like that by an endocrinologist? Now, Mary, we had mentioned earlier your new book, The Menopause Thyroid Solution. Um, so what can you tell us about that? Um, you know, clearly from the title, we know what it's um, what the book is about, but um, just give us a little dish on that. I've written this book, The Menopause Thyroid Solution, is for, for two different audiences. It's for women in our 40s and 50s who are suffering symptoms that are assumed to be related to perimenopause and menopause. So here you've got the woman in her 40s and 50s. She's gaining weight. She's tired. She's moody. Her periods are wacky. She's sleep, you know, waking up at 3 in the morning and can't go back to sleep. Forget about sex drive. That's history. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they don't realize that these are symptoms of hypothyroidism. Um, you know, it's a, it, these can be symptoms of an underactive, slowed-down thyroid. I'm calling it a thyropause, you know. Right. So, yeah. So we've got that one group that, that doesn't have any idea, and they're ending up getting shuttled off to take uh, Premarin and HRT and estrogen and Suzanne Summers and all this other business. <laughs> and nobody's saying to them, wait a minute, the, the most fundamental hormone for your whole body and your energy and your metabolism is the thyroid, and no one's even looking at that. Right. So that's, that's one group. So we're talking to uh, you know, a group of women who don't even know they have thyroid problems, but may be suffering. And the second group for the, that this book is written for are those of us in our 40s and older who are already diagnosed with thyroid problems but who are going into the perimenopause or menopausal imbalance period. So we've got reproductive hormones, you know, on a roller coaster, estrogen, progesterone, up and down, here we go. And we've got adrenal and stress hormones that may be destabilizing things. So we start to get new symptoms. We may find it harder to get our thyroid in balance. And what do we do? Um, and if actually, if you have some really bad uh, uh, perimenopause or menopause symptoms, then they oftentimes throw some estrogen at it. And a lot of women don't realize that the estrogen can actually make things worse or make it more mm. difficult to keep your thyroid under control. Right. So, so, you know, what I'm trying to do with this is explore the connection between thyroid, perimenopause, and menopause yeah. and yeah. help offer guidelines to help women get identified, diagnosed, and treated, and then once you're on that track, I can also, you know, I also explain, and, and women can also find out about the pros and cons of the traditional, natural, bioidentical hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, pregnenolone, cortisol, so they'll get a complete uh, understanding of all of those hormones, and then what sorts of exercise, mind-body, complementary approaches, herbs, nutrition, dietary changes, are going to help a woman 40 and up balance her hormones. Oh, so, great. You know, and one thing that I always want to emphasize to women is, you know, you hear menopause, and the immediate reaction is, you know, oh, my God, they start thinking that it's like some bad Golden Girls episode, you know, <laughs> that doctor is having hot flashes or something. And, you know, the, the issue that a lot of people didn't know, and I didn't know this either, is that menopause is defined as the point at which it's been a full year since you've had a period. But when you're starting at 40, you can start to have all sorts of changes. So all the hot flashes and the sex drive problems and the, all this mess that women go through happens long before the period stops. So women will say, well, I still have periods. I'm not in menopause. And what they don't realize is they're in perimenopause, and perimenopause is when all these symptoms come. By the time your period stops, you're home free. So it's the perimenopausal state. It's the thigh 
Harry many relas that we yes, really ex- that, that the book attracts that the book is for. exactly okay exactly. now where can I buy the thyroid menopause solution you can get it at your favorite local bookstores I always love to promote those independent bookstores that we all go into and get coffee at okay. um, you, you can go to uh, the online bookstores you know Amazon Barnes and Noble all the popular places that people like to buy online Uh, But it's also in local bookstores, and I even heard there's a Kindle edition. I don't have a Kindle. I really want to get one at some point, but somebody told me they even got it and downloaded it on Kindle. So apparently that's even out there. What is your biggest pet peeve with doctors today? My biggest pet peeve, I think, is doctors who are living in the past. Uh, These are the guys that are saying, don't Google or everything on the internet is snake oil, you know, and then you want to remind them that the National Institutes of Health and the National Library of Medicine is all online. Yes. Um, uh, You know, they don't realize that the days of being up on that pedestal and us patients sitting at their feet, gazing at them in rapture, hanging on every word (laughs) is, you know, long gone and over with. Right. Um, Yeah. And you'd think that, you know, they would realize that patients would have so much more respect for someone who does listen to them and who does work with them versus someone who keeps trying to tell them they're a crazy hypochondriac just because they pay attention to what their body's doing. If a doctor doesn't want to pay any attention to what you have to say and doesn't want to listen to what you have to say, it's time to move on um, because there are doctors who do love informed patients and who like to yeah. work with patients who are knowledgeable. And that's, those are the ones that we want to keep in business. What do you think is the most important thing that a patient should do or say when they are at a doctor's appointment? Well, one of the things that I always tell people is to stay calm, cool, and collected um, and talk doctor language. You know, you've got to speak their language. Um, a lot of this, especially women, I mean, thyroid disease is affecting women, you know, seven to ten times more than men. So we're really talking to an audience of m- mainly women here. And a lot of us go into the doctor and we talk to the doctor like we're talking to our girlfriends. We, it's like we're dishing with our friends. Right. So oh, God, I'm feeling so terrible and I'm gaining weight. I feel like a blob. And oh, I'm so tired. And oh, I have no sex drive. My husband's going to kill me. And we just go in there and talk like we're having coffee with a friend. Right. And the doctors hear this stuff, and they hear mental health issues. Right. They hear emotional yes. descriptions of our symptoms. And they, they don't know what to do with that information. Even female doctors, because they've had that sort of gene beaten out of them in med school to be able to empathically understand and deal with what a woman is trying to say. So what I say is... Don't talk to a doctor like it's your girlfriend. Talk like it's a job interview. And you know how they always say in your resume or when you're going in a job interview, quantify, quantify, quantify your results? Right. You've got to quantify your symptoms. So it's not, oh, my God, I'm gaining so much weight. It's I'm eating 1,200 calories a day and working out 40 minutes a day doing, you know, burning an estimated 300 calories in that 40 minutes, and yet I'm still gaining 1.6 pounds a week, doctor. Right. You know, you've got to be that specific. You've got to say, I am sleeping nine and a half hours a, a night on average, and yet I am still exhausted by 4 p.m. The more specific that you can be and the more you can quantify your symptoms, the more likely the doctor is going to hear those symptoms as medical symptoms and not mental health or emotional symptoms. Right. There are certain elements of severe hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism that present with a lot of mental illness, Right. And those kinds of patients go to a doctor and they're so whacked out, you know, mentally, that they can't really get a grasp on 
how to sort of focus. So what would your advice be to them? Like, so that they do go in and speak the metagwidge that needs to be spoken. Do they bring someone with them who can kind of steer and guide the conversation? That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that's when you need that's when you need an in life in person advocate with you, whether yeah. it's your best friend, your mother, your partner, your spouse, a buddy that you know, somebody that just you know makes really great sense and can help kind of keep you on the straight and narrow. Okay. Uh, somebody who knows what you're like when you're not out of your mind with thyroid problems, um, mm-hmm. and that person needs to go in with you and help to make the case because. If you really are dealing with, you know, in the throes of some really bad uh, situations, people can have uh, bipolar-like symptoms, they can have depression, they can have even psychosis. There, you know, oh. people will have psychosis episodes as a relation, you know, related to uh, thyroid that's not being treated and properly uh, managed. So what we want is to have somebody that we trust that can go in with us to advocate with us with the doctor. Actually, there's a, you know, there's a great book. Uh, Dr. Rita Aram out of Houston wrote a great book called The Thyroid Solution, and he talks a lot about the uh, mental health symptoms and the misdiagnosis and you know, how people are getting misdiagnosed with uh, anxiety disorder and panic disorder and manic depression and bipolar disease and psychosis and all these types of things when the reality is it's a thyroid issue that's underlying it. And so I always tell people if they're dealing with a lot of the the mental health-related symptoms that they probably want to check out that book because it's got some good information in it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think I feel for myself that, um, you know, thyroid disease gets characterized as something that is like a five-symptom list, and it's, you know, obviously everyone finds it very easy to treat. Like, it's um, just a condition. It's not really you know, technically a disease. And, um, of course, for me as a patient, this is extremely frustrating. And so I'm just wondering, does it ever bother you the way that thyroid disease is characterized? Oh, sure. And, I mean, that's part of the reason, I think, why I'm doing the advocacy work. I mean, you know, I I got so fed up with this mantra, you know, thyroid disease is easy to diagnose and easy to treat. You know, I mean, you see everything that's ever written about thyroid disease in mainstream newspapers and magazines and women's magazines and things will talk about how easy to diagnose and easy to treat it is. Well, if it's so right. easy, then why are there millions of people undiagnosed? Yeah. And, right. and if it's so easy to treat, then why would anybody write a letter to Dear Thyroid or read one <laughs> of my books or any of my articles? And why has my website been you know, going for 12 years? Speaking for myself and having spoken with other thyroid patients, I've come to learn that people are very ashamed of having thyroid disease. Now, why do you think there is so much shame associated with this disease, or do you disagree? No, I agree. I agree completely. Um, And I think it's all wrapped up with shame about weight and body image. I mean, there are a lot of people with thyroid problems who end up gaining weight. Uh, And we live in a society where being overweight is viewed as a major moral failing. Um, So somehow I think we've also decided that blaming a medical condition for this weight gain, well, that makes the moral failing of being overweight even that much worse. So, I mean, you know, it's good grief. I mean, not only are you overweight, but now you're not even honest enough to admit why. So you're blaming a thyroid problem. So you're, you're the ultimate total failure. Um, so I think people just don't get it that, that it works the other way around. You take a normal-sized person without a weight problem, they get thyroid disease, and then they gain weight. 
Um, you know, of course there are some overweight people out there who, as one really obnoxious doctor once uh, told a patient, have fork and mouth disease, you know, and are blaming a thyroid <laughs> <Well>, problem. <laughs> that's Don't you love that insane. one? Yeah. That is insane. Oh. Say it yes. one more time, okay, for the cheap seats. I got to hear that again. <laughs> fork in mouth disease. Yes, this is what one doctor told a woman who had a thyroid problem who was having a difficult time losing weight. He said, you have fork in mouth disease. You have to stop strapping on the feed bag, honey. What's nope. so frustrating is that, I mean, speaking for myself, you know, I had gained 60 pounds in the course of a year. And especially when there is nothing you can do to control this, for someone to say something like that to you, I can't even imagine what must have been going through the patient's mind. <laughs> Oh, She's yeah, crazy. no, well, you can imagine, and, and it's not uh, something that we can say on uh, <laughs> network television, you know. <laughs> um, I, you know, the bottom line is I think we live in a society that's totally freaked out about weight gain, and, and we can't wrap our minds around the idea that there is an illness that can cause you to gain weight and make weight loss really difficult and sometimes even impossible, and that is just so terrifying to people. And it's so terrifying that people think they can catch it just by talking about it. Yeah. So they don't even want to admit that they've got a thyroid problem or talk about thyroid because it's basically code for weight. And they, they just they can't deal with that. So I, I tie this whole shame and stigma to the issue of, you know, a society that, that really has a very warped and strange view of body image and body weight. Mary, would you say that your thyroid disease has um, ever stopped you from doing anything in life? Well, I mean, you know, following on from what we were just talking about, yes. Um, when I was heavier, I did not want to be photographed. Uh, and after I had my daughter, I was at my absolute highest weight. So I had gained weight from my thyroid, then I gained weight from pregnancy, had a baby, you know, walked out with a eight-pound baby and, you know, 45 pounds more of extra weight that I couldn't get rid of. And... I don't have a lot of photos from that time after I gave birth to her. I was so embarrassed to be in pictures oh. that I, I don't have as many photos. Is, I mean, is that not the most ridiculous thing? No, it's sad, but it's real. It's very, very real, and I completely understand where you're coming from. I have the same, I have the same experience. <laughs> I mean, I won't let anyone photograph me. Like, you know, with the thyroid disease, I gained, oh, you know, over 85 pounds, and I didn't want anyone taking any photographs of me, and I'm a freak about it. I will mm -hmm. run and hide. I have thrown myself into dumpsters to avoid a picture, okay? <laughs> I am not kidding. Like, I will go to extreme lengths because I don't want to be photographed. It makes me that uncomfortable. You know, it seems also another thing I've noticed is that People aren't comfortable discussing their most embarrassing and humiliating symptoms amongst even other thyroidians, you know? And why do you, why do you think that is? Like, why can't we drag ourselves out of the closet, you know, and talk about the most disgusting and humiliating symptoms? Well, I think, I think that because the most embarrassing kinds of symptoms are the things that you don't really want to talk about with anyone. Uh, you know, it's really hard to talk about having no sex drive yeah. uh, or gaining weight and feeling fat. Um, and then, you know, the one that no one ever wants to talk about, but they're always writing to me privately. This is one of the top topics of all of my emails. 
constipation. Either you have extreme constipation or extreme diarrhea. It's like a sport. I swear to God. Like, it exactly. really is. And you think you'd lose weight running back and forth to the bathroom so often. Would you say that you preferred um, the Mary Showman of her 20s, 30s, or right now in your 40s, and why? Well, I, I have to say that I really do like where I am now. Uh, I've, I've got a great family, great kids, amazing friends. Um, I, I work at home, which I was not able to do in my 20s and, and in my part of my 30s. And I love my work. I love to write. I love helping other people. Um, and I, I get to stay at home. I have a cozy little office here, and I don't have to go to a cubicle, thank God. Um, <laughs> it is, I, yeah. You know, I never was one for the Dilbert corporate scene, which is what I did in the 20s and into my 30s. And I, I despise sitting in meetings. I do not like corporate retreats. I do not want to write another mission statement ever again in my life. And if I have to do another getting to know you team building activity, I think I'll scream. So I don't have to do any of that. And, and bottom line, I despise pantyhose and I never have to wear them again the rest of my life. So I really like where I am right now. I'm, I'm pretty happy. Now, what are three things people don't know about you that you would love them to know? One thing is I'm part Assyrian, not Syrian, like from Syria, but Assyrian. And, you know, the ancient warlike Mesopotamian civilization that everybody thinks died out uh, several thousand years ago. Um, so, no, we're not extinct, and I'm one of them, and there are a few of us left out there carrying the torch. So that's one thing that I always think is kind of interesting that people don't always know about. But, you know, people say, well, I thought you guys were extinct. I say, no, there are a few. We, we're, we have a few of us wandering around. Absolutely. Um, the, other thing, the other thing is, like you, Katie, dear, as I'm originally from New York, um, and so I feel like you absolutely can never take the New York out of a girl. Yeah. Uh, so I actually... I had to work very hard to lose my New York accent. Yeah, you don't uh, have one. <laughs> I don't have my New York accent anymore. I've gotten rid of it. I don't have okay. it totally. You can tell, right? Are you totally. How'd you do it? How'd you do I it? I worked very hard. It took a long time to get rid of it, but I worked hard on it. I guess the third thing that people don't know about me, or maybe it's really more people that people ask me, but I am not truly secretly hiding the identity of a great thyroid doctor who isn't expensive, takes everyone's insurance, doesn't have a six-month waiting list, is always on time, never keeps you waiting in the exam room, doesn't have paper gowns, will prescribe whatever thyroid medicine works best for you, understands female hormones and adrenal glands, knows about vitamins and supplements, and has a great bedside manner. I am really not hiding that doctor. Mary, what would you say... Um Clearly, you know, I write a column for Dear Thyroid. It's all about food. For you, what is what was your favorite food before your thyroid disease? And now, what is your favorite food after? The politically correct answer is, before I had a thyroid problem, I loved chocolate brownies. Now I love quinoa. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Great. The reality is that I think my favorite food always has been and probably always will be lamb kebabs. And that's the Middle Eastern thing coming in, you know. Right. Um, but, sure. of course, if, if we have too much more of a shortage of natural thyroid, I'm going to end up eating thyroid kebabs. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to have some, some problems here, you know. But, uh, no, I, I think it's probably lamb kebabs and Middle Eastern food in general I've always loved. Although now I'm tending towards more towards the salads and the, you know, parsley salads and the really good uh, 
beans and the fresh kinds of things that you can make Middle Eastern. And, of course, I know we all share a tremendous adoration for hummus. My favorite. I absolutely love it. If you had to describe yourself using one adjective, what would it be and why? The one adjective I probably would like to describe myself with would be intrepid. Mm-hmm. And probably because I, 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 I think I'm nervy. Um, yeah. Oh, you have boxy for days. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty game <laughs> for, for things. And, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm resolute, you know. So I'm, I'm out there. I'm trying to sort of forge ahead. Uh, but I'm, I'm steady, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't feel like I'm out there being too crazed about what I'm trying to do with, with thyroid work. At the same time, I, I'm not afraid to get in there and tussle when I have to. Uh, so I guess in, I, I like, I like intrepid. That, that's a word that I feel sort of is, is comfortable with. Yeah, yeah I, I like that it. too. Yep, definitely. Well, Mary Showman, thank you so much for being on the show. You yes. have been such a fabulous guest. And just want to reiterate, uh, the Menopause Thyroid Solution is now available in bookstores, also online at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and you can also uh, get it at MenopauseThyroid.com. That's right, MenopauseThyroid.com. And thank you, Chris Campbell, for producing Tales from Vietnam. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Mary, again, you are absolutely fabulous. Oh, thank you. Katie. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Chris, Thanks. too. This has been so much fun. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Please join us next month on Tales from Vietnam with our featured guest, Carol Rosenthal, thyroid cancer survivor and author of the renowned book, Everything Changes. The music you've heard is from the Coconut Monkey Rocket, and it's called Shopping for Explosives, and it's licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License. The executive producers of Tales from Vietnam are Chris Campbell, Katie Schwartz, Liz Shaw, and Dear Thyroid. The podcast was edited by Chris Campbell. Tales from Vietnam is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works License. Leave a comment and find out more about the business of thyroids at DearThyroid.com. <laughs>